George Tillis is here with some overlooked stocks of the day. There was so much action post earnings and tons of macro news and data. Like George, there's a few other companies that deserve some attention here. We gave Datadog some attention looking at the chart and the great rally that it's had coming into this report. But another big leg higher, 11%. Why? What happened? You know, it's an interesting company and an interesting field of uh, a software, uh, OJ. So Datadog is basically a monitoring analytics uh, platform, and it uh, essentially is, is part of this new sort of architecture of software that is called application performance management. In other words, it uh, is a platform that integrates and automates infrastructure monitoring, in other words, uh, business monitoring, application performance monitoring, security performance, as well as things like log management. And so. Datadog is actually one of the dominant players in this space. Uh, there are other players out there. We've actually talked about one of them, uh, Elastic Corp, symbol ESTC. But some of the legacy uh, uh, technology companies, companies like Cisco and IBM, are also part of this ecosystem. But Datadog is unique in the sense that uh, this is their core core business, and it is a dominant player uh, in this new sort of field of uh, technology that is in application performance management. So. If you look at the industries they serve, it's wide. I mean, they, they serve industries that are in the financial services, manufacturing and logistics, medical and, uh, and media and entertainment, gaming. They're actually making headway into the healthcare space as well. So the company reported earnings, uh, and I'll explain why that stock is, uh, has been trending higher over the last year, even prior to earnings, uh, because of the financial performance of the company, irrespective of the profitability. But the, the quarter they just reported, on an on-gap basis, uh, it's basically nearly profitable. It beat the estimate uh, when it comes down to uh, earnings, but also top-line sales were up about 75% year-over-year, beating uh, effectively the estimates uh, by about 10%, $22 million beat on $271 million in terms of sales. But the, the actual element of customer growth was pretty impressive itself. They got 1,800 customers with average recurring revenue over 100,000. That's important, especially for a developing a software company. And that is a 66% growth number. Wow, okay. Uh, analysts like it. Uh, uh, at uh, Crespi Hart, Monas Crespi Hart 220 from 160, really turning on the uh, bull analysis there. Goldman 225 from 150. I mean, these are huge, huge changes to expectations. JP Morgan, 212, Barclays, 225, same with Truist, and everybody had it generally between like 140 and 180 before. So what took them so long, I guess, George, just to get in line with, uh, you know, where it's trading right now, it reaches this level, and it seems like this earnings really made that distinction. Is it because of the number of customers spending more than 100,000? So it's, it's, it's that in the guidance. I think if you look at the overall guidance, they, they beat the estimate in terms of for the for, for Q4, 291 versus 263. The operating income also was really relatively impressive and positive. And that's what you want to see for a company like this that's starting to grow, not just in its technology application and its R&D development, but now it's really about distribution and scalability. And I think that's been the case with the company all year. If you look at it, and this is maybe why you're seeing this ratchet effect, the ratcheting of the price targets keep moving to the upside every single quarter for uh, for Datadog, because if you just look at the top line sales for four quarters, it's about 765 million. Okay, that's a lot of money for everyday person, but if you look at the market cap, it's 57 billion. So from mm -hmm. a price to sales standpoint, that is uh, remarkably expensive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you just consider 
sales growth at around 66% year over year for the quarter, you have to look at that relative to profit margins. And in this particular instance, this quarter we did post, or the company did post an adjusted profit, but from an unadjusted profit standpoint, the profitability is only about down, is only negative 4%. That's still okay. negative, but at the end of the day, if you look at top line sales growth, 66%, and you offset that with negative, let's say, 5% profit growth on a net basis or a gap basis, the total sum of that is still plus 60%. And we talk about the rule of 40. And the rule of 40 is when you take the summation of your revenue growth, add in your profit, your net profit margin growth, if that's over 40, it's a buy. And, and I think that's what's been going on with the company for the last year. And this quarter also demonstrates the fact they're getting closer and closer to gap profitability and uh, they keep ratcheting it to the upside. So mm. that's a rule of thumb we talked about in the past, OJ. This company fits the bill because even though it's losing money, the summation or, or that margin loss is is not that that poor, uh, to put it frankly, okay. relative to that sales growth, which is still uh, pretty impressive. And probably relative to the group, right? Because there's a lot of cloud companies that are showing yes. plenty of negativity on the bottom line, but not the same type of uh, structural potential from yeah. their margins and from their overall losses getting smaller as we saw in the data screen this quarter compared to last smaller loss than a year ago and uh, this is happening while not only the companies that you've got on this chart underperforming but uh, the cloud sector as a whole just uh, flirting with the breakout not quite the type of big rip that we've seen in chip makers so markets clearly are getting more discerning uh, because a data dog in a category that uh, has right now kind of been getting filtered through uh, which companies really have that profitability potential. So, all right, George, nice. Let's talk uh, Funko next uh, as we get into the holiday season. Are people still buying these dolls? Apparently they are, OJ. So, uh, you know, Funko, uh, I don't have any Funko dolls. That's probably a Ben Watson thing. Yeah, yeah, we got a few here around the office. Basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, in every office you see them around, but basically it's a pop culture consumer products company for those that don't know it, but uh, they essentially create these sort of whimsical, differentiated persona uh -huh. based characters from uh, entertainment, movies, sports, you name it, gaming. Uh, I think it's really a, a licensing business more so than a toys business. It's a, it's a collectible, collectible or novelties business. And we know that these trends, uh, you know, it, it has a trend going for it right now, or maybe a fad, but this one might have staying power as well. I think overall, uh, looking at this, there's probably some seasonal catalyst embedded in the price action we see today and potentially as we move into the holiday shopping season. I mean, there's other catalysts as well. It's uh, not only the licenses they hold, which is, uh, you know, tens of thousands as, uh, in terms of rights. To, to figures, I think there's an element of the NFT market that uh, Funko has slowly and quietly actually entered into, which again is the digital uh, authenticated collection market. And I think that's another probably catalyst for the company that could be embedded in some of the price action today. But you know, if you look at the uh, the reported uh, earnings number for the company, they were actually pretty good. They on a non-gap basis, they beat the estimate by about 12 cents, coming at 39 cents. And top line sales. You know, for a consumer products company, it was pretty impressive at 40% year over year comparisons. And again, I'm going to compare this as a quarter, with, which is not really necessarily a reopening quarter. More of the reopening quarters were Q2 numbers, where Funko itself had over 100% year over year growth. But this 40% uh, number is still uh, quite, uh, quite impressive. And I think overall, too, 
uh, watching this uh, company from a value standpoint. Um, total sales last four quarters, you know, about 843 million, but its market cap is less than that. It's about 740 million mm. with uh, a trailing PE of 18. Uh, profit margins, about 5%, but if you look at the guidance uh, they provided for full year 2021, they're actually guiding in the mid-teens. So I think this is potentially a value play as well as a NFT play, seasonal play, and you kind of mix those three variables. There together. it is. Emphasis uh, this, on this, the this NFT again, part, a, a, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and these are, again, all together, probably a few variables that can push the stock higher, as we saw after the reported earnings. Uh, so again, here in this situation, what do we do? Wait for the follow-up in terms of some analysts, which will probably adjust their price targets on the name. As soon as it catches attention because of some you know, better than expected metrics, the analysts uh, catch on and they adjust targets. Okay, so Funko on the move is they diversify away from just the dolls, kind of the Lego model, right? Video games, board games. Like I said, we got a bunch around here. Yeah. This is the one that got thrown to me. We got uh, Wayne here, Garth's over there somewhere. He didn't make the trip over. Uh, George, okay, so is it feeling like this company now is like actually a major consumer product, you know, behemoth, the growth story that uh, they can take these and turn them into a whole different suite of uh, revenue streams? I think so. I mean, you know, you know, trends and fads can can come and go, you know, like build a bear that that had yeah. been a stock that had done extremely well and poorly. And this year has done extremely well again. So I think overall, you got to look at the unique features of the of the products, the licensing agreements they have, with, you know, with uh, with comic book, uh, you know, uh, companies like Marvel, Disney, again, or other companies they have uh, they have uh, relationships and licensing agreements with. So overall, it's it's not necessarily a company that's producing differentiated products per se, uh, like different kinds of toys. I mean, all of their collectibles seem to have the same kind of mold or fit. So that's a good sign sure. from the standpoint of scalability of production. The other thing is the digital uh, revenues, uh, NFTs. Again, those are highly profitable because you don't need a point of production in terms of core capital uh, to do so. Digital assets and digital production uh, in sales are, are very capital light. And so again, that's another catalyst that I think is very compelling. All right, uh, George, interesting Funko move uh, up 9%, trying to get above 19, 20 bucks would definitely be a notable event on this chart and uh, some diversification, uh, or maybe it's just a little NFT spice sprinkled in to get people all bulled up and wacky and wild. I still am into the dolls. I think they're cool. Still got them on my desk. I got bloody John Wick. That's not going anywhere. That thing is a unique Funko. All right, George, I think Ben's probably got more than me, though. Uh, how about Spirit Aero Systems? We got airlines on the move. We got reopening trades waking up. Even Boeing yeah. is trying to finally get back on track. Trying to, yeah. So this is, uh, you know, we've been talking about Spirit Aero Systems in the past, and we keep, even for Boeing, keep talking about, you know, where's this quarter where we see you know, sort of a true reversal. It could be it this quarter. I'm not. I'm not saying it is for sure, but there are some improvements to Spiro Aero Systems, which for those who don't know, uh, they design and manufacture aero structures, primarily fuselages for uh, for commercial and military aircraft, as well as the private jet market. But uh, the concentration of revenue is really Boeing, 80 percent. The other 15 uh, percent uh, includes Airbus, and the other five percent is uh, is military and, of course, private jets. But they did, of course, report earnings, uh, which, you know, in both cases, looks like they missed. Uh, top line sales grew 21% year over year, but they missed by 30 million at coming in at uh, 980 million. 
They also missed on an on-gap basis uh, for EPS, which uh, again came in at $1.13 loss versus uh, what was expected, and they missed by about $0.36. Cents. Uh, but they also denoted their full-year free cash flow is somewhere between negative 200 and 300 million dollars. Now, last quarter when we talked about this uh, company OJ, one of the things I talked about was the gross margin. Gross margins were effectively negative at negative 1.23%. That told us basically that cost of goods sold exceeded the price of sales of goods. It means they had an inventory overhang. Uh, I think that's being run down or sort of worked off. Uh, and profit margins last quarter were down 13%. Now, despite this miss, I think the company is improving because top line sales seem to be steadily uh, steadying around the 20% range. I mean, last quarter it was up 55%, but that was an outlier, as well as perhaps the previous quarter to that, which was Q1, which was down 17%. So I think 20 something percent growth going forward might be more sustainable for the business. But what we're actually seeing in this case is comparing, you have to kind of stretch these things out from a, from a four quarter basis. But um, you know, in Q1, they lost $900 million on, on about $3.2 billion in sales. Wow. Last quarter, a lot of, for the, if you sum it all together, they, big loss. they basically lost $758 million, yeah, on, on more sales. So what we're actually seeing is less, less of a loss on an annualized basis relative to sales. And I think that's a, an important potential turning port for Spirit Air Systems, which is down, mm. you know, almost 50% over the three Right, and they dropped on earnings, the Boeing. but then rallied back today with the broader market. So it seems like the earnings Correct. Uh, were at best secondary to this rally, but I don't know, maybe it's just a delayed reaction. I think it's a delayed reaction on the improving fundamentals. Again, okay. Still bad when it comes to, to, to the EPS, but improving, and I think that there is again some room for improvement for both these companies, Boeing and and and, and um, Spirit. But the, the issue really is, you know, the overhang from Boeing, the concentration Spirit has, uh, Spirit Air Systems with Boeing at 80 percent, and just look at Airbus. I mean, if you look over the three-year period, it's not a COVID challenge anymore. It is really a an engineering, uh, you know, benefit that uh, Airbus has has gained. Uh, leadership against uh, Boeing itself. And, and Airbus itself is a, is a stock over the last three years is up about 20%. And that includes the COVID drawdown for all three companies. Okay. All right. George Tillis with the Overlook Stocks of the Day. Spirit Aerosystems moving with Boeing and trying to get back on track something in the realm of the trading uh, ranges that we had some time ago. Finally, we were getting back into that territory. Maybe. All right. And some uh, turning point for fundamentals here is George outline.